0: Please note this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information, images, and other materials contained are for informational purposes only. No information discussed is a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please seek help from your physician for medical questions or advice. everybody welcome to the brain coach podcast i'm your host mary turos i'm your brain coach and my goal is to create a community of educators therapists clinicians family members researchers and any other person who supports a healthy brain thanks for joining us today and let's get started Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Brain Coach. I'm Mary Taros, and I am your brain coach, and I'm here today with Mark Firing. He is the executive director of the Maryland Book Bank, which is based in Baltimore, and this is a program that's near and dear to my heart. I love it, all the literacy programs um, and wonderful things he does. So welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so tell us a little bit before we jump in. Tell us a little bit about the Maryland Book Bank, and what it is you do, and what the mission is.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, the mission is basically to cultivate literacy in children from under-resourced neighborhoods. So we focus on Baltimore City, but we serve the entire state of Maryland, and it's surprising how many places don't have the books they need in their classrooms, how many children don't have books at home. We are literally told by some parents that they read the food ingredient labels to their kids. Because they don't have books, they read junk mail to their kids. Uh, They're very thankful that we exist and they're able to get books from us. So we do it through several ways, um, just to provide books through our Bookmobile program, where we can go right into any neighborhoods and let children come on and select the books that they need, which of course is incredibly important. Uh, We also do distributions out of our warehouse. So teachers and educators can come in and families can come in and get the books that they need for their programs or for for home. And we also have educator boxes where we pack up books for kids and uh, and let teachers come in and bring those directly into their classroom. That was our touch-free option that came up during COVID. And then we have, for the time being at least, our story kit program where we pack up five books in a box along with other reading resources and actually send them to kids' homes or we hand them out at the uh, schools off the bookmobile so that the children can take them home and have something that their very own and it's got a personal note inside of it from whoever packs it, just telling them to enjoy reading. Um, so we've managed to find our way to help mitigate the circumstances that occur when children are illiterate. Uh, we found that you know, 50% of the people who are in prisons are illiterate, uh, 16% greater chance of dropping out of high school if they you know aren't proficient by the third grade. There's all kinds of statistics that point to the need. And the fact of the matter is having books, the book supplies, greatly increases the chances that they're going to take time to read and be read, too, as small children. So it's been kind of a fun journey for me. I've been doing this uh, total since 2008, and uh, I love the fact that we're able to provide such a great resource to so many people. We hear some wonderful stories from teachers and families, so it's been fun.
0: Wow, yeah, I, I love everything about the Book Bang, and you're right, there are so many literacy deserts in the area, and even getting to the library for a lot of these children and families is sometimes difficult, right? They have to go across town or they have to, they don't have the transportation or the resources to get there. So it's wonderful that they, they can come in and first of all, choose their own books.
1: Right.
0: Um, that's a big thing and they get to keep them, right? They don't have to bring them back.
1: Correct. Nope. They're theirs to keep. So they have some sense of ownership, which is really nice.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important because, you know, just having it's I think it's been shown that just having books in your home or in your surroundings makes your liter, you know, makes a child more literate and more appreciative of reading.
1: Yeah, there are studies that actually show that just having books in the home, uh, children are more apt to be proficient uh, and actually enjoy reading because they're growing up in a literacy rich environment. Um, so that makes a big difference to the children and frankly, to the parents, if they're able to take the time to sit down and read with their children, that's a bonding experience. And the vocabulary increases for both parent and child, the more they read together.
0: Right. Yeah. It's wonderful. So how did, how did you choose this? How did you get into this?
1: Well, it's interesting. Uh, I had been running a family company for about 12 years and I was by myself. So I was getting bored. And my wife was on work for a company whose boss was on the board of directors for uh, another organization called Baltimore Reads. And they had the book bank program there and they needed someone to come in and clean it up. And so they hired me because of my business background to help write a business plan and start a book sales side because they were getting adult level books donated to them. And so I did that. I went in, gave them 20 hours a week and started writing this program and really falling in love with the book bank itself. It was a bit of a mess. So we cleaned it all up and got it organized. And the more I talked to teachers, uh, the more motivated I got, the more inspired I got because I realized that there was such a need. And when you have a teacher sit down on the floor and start crying because they're so overwhelmed with the challenges that they're facing in the classroom, and we're the one bright spot for a while while they're trying to get themselves situated, you realize that the impact is greater than just handing a child a book. You're doing something that's pretty significant. So over time, uh, as Baltimore Reads was getting set to close, I decided I wanted to take the book bank off on its own. And in 2013, we broke it off and I went full time and and the book sale operation at that point, which had become a workforce development program because we worked with the with Office of Employment Development to bring in people who were underemployed and undereducated and give them skills that they could use in any other warehouse situation. So that began to grow. And you know, as, as a standalone organization, it thrived. Uh, people really enjoyed coming in. We really had people getting excited about what we were doing, especially when the Ravens got involved. And we got the bookmobiles. So once that changed and once we took it off on its own, um, becoming a full-time operation, it needed to move. And we did that. We moved into a nice big warehouse with other uh, organizations. And that was something that I also co-founded was the Warehouse Collaborative. So we have four different nonprofits all under one roof, all that are thriving and doing really well, most of them helping children and families. So it's been something that was an easy segue for me. Uh, to feel like I'm still doing the business side with the sales operation, but I'm helping kids and families with the other. So it's it's from a a very uh, a very you know self self indulgent, if you will, something that makes me feel great about what we're doing, and so it's been beneficial to me in a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, I can tell. I can just feel the passion,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I love it. I love it. So earlier you mentioned um, some research that shows that having just having books in the home um, makes an appreciation for literacy. What other trends are you seeing? Um, or research are you seeing regarding? Books or- yeah, the,
1: the trends have been interesting. We're seeing a community of book banks growing throughout the country, and I'm involved in that. And I get calls all the time to ask me questions about how we do it here, because we become something of a standard. Um, especially because of the partnerships that we have with the larger corporations such as the Ravens. And so we're seeing this cohesiveness and trying to find best practices and what works and what doesn't and working with the various school systems. So there's a young woman by the name of Molly Ness, uh, Dr. Molly Ness, who's been wonderful and really spearheading these efforts. And she started a coalition for literacy. And so we got all the book banks and other providing programs throughout the country together online and did this virtual meeting last summer for the first time and it was really fun to hear how other people were doing things the challenges they were facing and what we could bring to the table in in helping them so we're getting a lot of questions and we're part of uh part of a smaller group that broke out from that a committee if you will to help programs become more sustainable and figure out ways to earn money Uh, that's always the challenge with any nonprofit. so the more we can do in-house the better and so it's been something that we've seen that's taking off countrywide in a lot of different states um, that's been somewhat inspiring for me again, just because I'm able to take and impart some of the knowledge that I've gained over the years and some of the mistakes we've made and you know, help other programs to help other children throughout the country.
0: Wow, that's great. I would love to see this pop up everywhere. Mm. Even better, like have the need, it just become a, an, an appendage of of um, just wanting to be there to help and give back to the community. I I think that's incredible. If a family were struggling, as many are, especially during the times of COVID, how can the book bank help? Like how does reading help as a coping strategy?
1: That's interesting that you asked that. We heard from far too many families. It was interesting that it became a trend. what we found was that reading together and reading was the one thing that children found to be a normal activity, something that allowed them to escape, if you will. As we all know who are readers, there's a million different worlds you can go to by diving into a book. And during COVID, it was a safe place for a lot of kids. So these books that they were getting at that time, we were sending them directly to their home because they couldn't get out. Uh, That was the one thing that we heard from parents over and over again, such as thank you for giving us this moment, this time that we had together, that we could share and that they had in feeling like there was some sort of normalcy um, and something that they could share with their friends too, because if they each had the same book, they could read and then talk about it online. uh, But it definitely offered some sort of safety net.
0: Wow. Yeah, there's little things you just don't think about. And even for me, reading was one of my coping strategies, right? Right. So and it's a healthy coping strategy. That's incredible. So a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned that you had gone through failure, which we all have, right? So <laughs> what is the most audacious failure you've ever had? and Or if you have a favorite or a personal failure, and what did you learn from that?
1: <laughs> I, I, well, I think the one that had the greatest impact with, with me was uh, back in 2001, I was running the family business. And, you know, 9-11 happened. And my little company, we were doing mailings each month and those would go to new moms and we were selling a product at the time. And those mailings went out no matter what. And when 9-11 happened, everything stopped, except those mailings, those kept going out. And my little company, next thing I knew was over $100,000 in debt. And I went to my lawyer and I said, I think we might have to... Declare bankruptcy, you know, if, if we can't figure something out here, this is, this is unfamiliar territory to me. It was just an odd place to be. And he looked at me, and he said, no, you were successful once you'll be successful again, figure it out, go back and renegotiate the debt. It's exactly what I did. And within nine months, we had paid that all off and we're very profitable again. And I just realized at that point, always give it time, always take the time to think through and don't panic and just Work with it, work with the people that you're working with, uh, which is something that came up again during COVID with the book bank is working with our partners, working with the school, working with families together to make sure that we fix any problems and face any challenges. So that was the one thing that I really learned from, you know, during such a tragic event where I lost a good friend of mine um, in one of those towers, but it was a learning experience for me that had a lasting impact. And even today, when my staff looks at me and somebody says, aren't you nervous about this? No, we'll figure it out. There's always a way to figure it out. Um, so that was the one thing that stuck out in my mind when you asked that question so long ago, um, but it definitely had an impact. Uh,
0: that resilience is so important. And I think that's the one thing whenever I talk to people, I think, especially for kids, they think that nobody's ever, none of the adults who are so-called successful have ever had to deal with any sort of failure along the way. And whenever I hear that, I just laugh. And I tell them, if you've never failed at anything, you're either not trying hard enough or you're lying or both, right? Because failure is just a data point. And I, you know, so I, I love that everybody um, that I deem I consider successful is really um, a product of failure, right? So you you learn from it and you grow from it and you develop that resilience that drives that success. So wonderful. So with that in mind, um, what motivates you when you have those days where you're just feeling? overwhelmed? Do you just keep telling yourself you get through it? How do you, how do you get through that stickiness?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, that's when I turn to friends and mentors, um, folks that I've known for a long time. And I just take the time to breathe, go for a walk outside, do things that help you feel better and just take the time to think and clear your mind. Um, then I get back into the grind. I come back here and I, I look at the kids that we're working with. I look at the programs that we built. I look at the staff that looks to me for guidance and, and hope. Um, so those days that might get a little tough, I realize I, don't, I, I can't allow that to affect me because all the decisions end with me. So when people depend on you to put food on their tables, you can't really have the luxury of saying, you know, I'm just gonna walk away from this. It's, it's something that's important to them. It's important to their kids. So I take that seriously. And I also take my own self-care seriously you know, you can't save a drowning person if you're drowning yourself. So you've got to make sure that you're okay. And I think, especially in this time, uh, we're all kind of looking at mental health and making sure that we're all stable and strong and, and just doing the things that we need to take care of ourselves and get through whatever challenges we face, because it's an everyday thing. We know that they're going to be challenges. Everybody who's successful, as you just said, have faced challenges and done so successfully. Uh, Failure only comes from those who decide to stop. And I just don't have that in my mindset. Luckily, it's something that my father had, his father had. So it's something that I've learned, which I understand is also somewhat unusual, but um, I'm very lucky in that I had that guidance early growing up.
0: Yeah. So we could say you built those neural pathways for (coughs) resilience. So very cool. So Mm -hmm. I have a couple of rapid fire questions, just a few. And do you mind just going through them? Oh, go ahead. Okay. So do (laughs) you have a mantra Or a vision statement? And if you do, could you share it with us?
1: Sure. Um, For me, it's always seek knowledge. The need to constantly listen is so important. And it's a never-ending process. And once you stop is when, as you know, your brain will say, okay, I'm done. And it starts to shut down in different areas. So you've always got to be challenged uh, mentally, intellectually, even emotionally. Somehow or other learning as you go. No one knows everything. So there's always something to learn. So just seek out those places that will help you grow
0: Love it, yes. And what advice or suggestions would you have for people who might be interested in doing what you're doing?
1: I think it's, it's seeking out those who, like myself, who have done it before. Um, I find that anytime that I'm starting something new, this isn't the first venture. that was never something where I said, well, I'm just gonna do this all by myself. You've gotta do the homework and look to people who have the experience and learn from them. My thing is always work smart, not hard. So there are people out there who have done it, don't reinvent the wheel, go out there and learn as much as you can about whatever industry you're going into, whatever it might be and seek help. Don't be afraid to ask questions and grow and learn uh, and have a plan. If you don't have that plan, you're just gonna end up in a lot of trouble. Uh, I've seen too many people come in who didn't have a business plan, didn't have a strategic plan, and ended up saying, you know, I don't understand why I'm having so much trouble because you didn't think it out. You didn't seek the help. You didn't seek the knowledge. There's plenty of it out there.
0: Right. A lot of people are good at setting goals, but not so great at executing those
1: goals. Right. right.
0: That's a big piece of it. So how can people find
1: you? Where? Yeah, you can just look at the website at mdbookbank.org. Um, we're always there. We're on social media everywhere on Facebook, Instagram, at Maryland Book Bank, um, or at MD Book Bank. And you'll find us out there, especially on social media, for events like Books for Kids Day, uh, which is coming up in the first or second weekend in May. We haven't decided on the date yet. And we'll start collecting books for that. Um, yeah, well, pretty easy.
0: For people who don't know, what is Books for Kids Day?
1: Books for Kids Day has been an annual event for well over 20 years where we collect books from the community. Uh, This year we're going to incorporate a big volunteer engagement part where we're gonna be sorting as many books as possible, um, which we have done in the past, but this time we're actually bringing books there to sort. So it's a day where we kind of celebrate community and working together and getting everyone at the table uh, to have about three hours where we just nonstop sort out books and then get them back to the book bank. And uh, so we have, book drives being done statewide all over the place so we'll collect thousands and thousands of books on that day and then hopefully get them set for distribution
0: wow do you i i know i'm very familiar with books for kids day so um can you tell us what the total was of the last time i know COVID, it didn't really happen but pre-covid do you remember ballpark
1: yeah coming? i believe it was twenty-five thousand books in one day uh, All right. Most we've done with thirty-five thousand, and of course that's a rounded up number. But uh, yeah, we've had some some pretty incredible turnout at these various events. Usually happens at the Poly Western parking lot, so it's kind of easy to find right off of eighty-three. So that makes right. it easy; for people just load up their cars and come out.
0: Yeah, can't wait for it to be back. I'm so ready for books for kids. <laughs> so, anything else you want to share with us, Mark? No, I think that's it. It's been fun. Great. And I will put all the contact information for everybody in the show notes. So if you're not an auditory learner, we will have it for for you there. And thank you so much for joining me today. And I'll see you guys next time. Excellent.
1: Thanks, Mary. Take care.
0: For more information, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at Brain Cog Coach, or visit our website at braincogcoach.com. I'll see you next time, and make it a great day.